0: I speak in the name of God to his Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. There are things in the epistles of St. Paul that to this day seem very up-to-date and relevant. Sexual immorality, he does go on about that quite a lot. That's been with us for two millennia at least, and will probably be with us until the end of time. However, there are other parts of St. Paul which feel, what, a little dated maybe? So, making sacrifices in the Temple of Apollo, in Aphrodite, eating that meat. I'm not sure when the last time was that you were invited to something like that, but for me it's never happened. You look at that and you think, what use is this? And so, as we do with large parts of the Bible, we skip over it and we go on to the stuff that speaks to us. But, no, actually there is a real relevance to this. And I will try and explain to you why. I think there are three things we need to be aware of. They all relate loosely to the idea of temptation. But, and this is where the relevance really is for this world for this country, and perhaps especially for this city, for DC, it is what it tells us about arrogance.
1: Okay, so a little
0: bit of background. St. Paul is actually responding to a letter from the church in Corinth that we do not have. We know that he does that because he's answering There are quotation marks, that type of stuff. He originally went to establish the church in Corinth and as was the way of St. Paul, He was relatively didactic. He told them what to do and he told them what not to do. And clearly, one of the things that he told them not to do was to go to temples and eat this food. Okay, don't do that. And when he left, they obviously wrote him a letter saying, Hey, look, we get it. You know, we believe you, we've listened to you, we're really strong. We know that these are lumps of stone or lumps of wood or, you know, lumps of gold, whatever they are. But that's all they are. Okay? We know that. Now, so it's okay if we, you know, we go there, we eat the food. What is it? It's meat, okay? You've told us we don't have to care about food. And he goes, you're wrong. But he has to spend a little bit of time explaining to them why they're wrong. So this is his response to them pushing back on what he originally said. Okay. So three things which make this important. We can look at this in faith terms because one of the first things he says is, yes, you are strong. Yes, you have the knowledge. You know what this is about. You know, yes, they're lumps of stone, wood, gold, etc. But, he says, that isn't the end of it. Because while you know that, others, even in our church, may not know that as strongly. They may not feel it. And that's where the danger comes. So, to update it, let's think about this for a moment in faith terms. Let's say that you're a good Episcopalian, you've got a friend who's a good Episcopalian, but you've actually heard good things about a megachurch. Now you've also heard that they can be a little, well, what's a nice word? Exclusionary. About certain things, maybe it's, Sexuality, maybe it's race, maybe it's whatever. But you go, look, this is still a great experience. And I don't care about that because I know better, okay? I can stand up to that. It doesn't matter to me. But let's say you take a friend, and that friend is actually entranced by this. This may have been the background that they came from. And what St. Paul is saying to the Corinthians is, Christ died to save you to bring us to this place where we are no longer captured by these idols. And you are allowing people to slip back.
1: Okay, so that's a faith
0: context, which as we're constantly told, the this day and age is becoming less relevant. So let me spit it out a little bit and talk about some of the stuff in DC. What are three things that DC is famous for? Other than as Rob would tell you, bad traffic. Well, there are three things. One is power. One is fame, and one, although we're not New York City, is wealth. So let me talk about it in all of those contexts. There are plenty of you in this congregation, and your friends, who if they don't have a huge amount of power themselves, come close to it. Now at this point I'm going to pause again. There is a very useful word that lawyers use. Arguendum. It's what economists sometimes call heroic assumptions. It means I'm going to make this assumption and I have to believe it's true in order to advance the rest of my argument. So what St. Paul essentially says is, you all have this knowledge. I trust you not to be tempted. I personally doubt that, but arguendo, this is where we have to start from because what St. Paul is saying to these people is, the effect that you have on other people is what's important. So take the power. There is something tempting about power. There's what Acton's old phrase, you know, power corrupts, all of that stuff. There is something very tempting. And you may say, I am not actually affected by that. I can come right up to this source of power. And it's not going to affect me. But maybe for somebody else who sees you doing that, somebody who respects you, and they don't have the knowledge that you have, they don't have the experience that you have, For them, it becomes actually more about the power. Maybe that power itself becomes an idol. You will not have helped that person, however strong you yourself may be, in the presence of power. And there is something very corrupting about that because there is something very attractive about that. And take fame. There's plenty of fame in this town as well. It's much the same thing. You may say, I'm inured to all of this. I can get close to this, and it's not going to affect my ego. It's not going to do anything to me. Arguendo. But you can take other people, and again, they become affected by that. And it becomes all about the celebrity, about the fame, about being with these famous people. You'll have been in those offices in this town where the whole wall is plastered with photographs of people shaking hands with famous people. And they go, oh, it doesn't matter. It's just there. It's either there or it's in the bathroom, you know, whatever. But, it can affect other people. And then there's the wealth thing. Now again, as I said, we're not New York City, so we're not talking about banking or not very much banking. But let me take the law. There are lots of lawyers around. I can see you. If I had a mirror, I could see myself. Again. We think we can go right up to the line. We know where that ethical line is, and we would never cross it, but we go right up to it. Now again, let's say that you're a partner, you're somebody senior in a firm, a junior associate with much less experience, but who respects you, sees you doing that, and maybe they go further. Maybe they don't see where that bright line is. And that is what St. Paul is saying here. You may have that knowledge. You may know exactly where the line is. But think of the effect this is having on other people. This does not strengthen This does not teach them where the line is. It actually does exactly the opposite. I had a relative who'd had more than one wife. And one of them was an alcoholic. And his evening routine was to pour himself a very large drink, alcoholic drink, and drink it in front of her. Arguendo, he said that his reason for doing this was to make her feel more in charge of herself. You no, know, she could resist it. It won't entirely surprise to hear that the result was exactly the opposite. That is what St. Paul is talking about. Now, the second thing that he's talking about is also incredibly relevant for today. He is talking about individualism and about individuals' assertion of their own right to liberty. He says, but take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. Take care of this liberty of yours. This is a hyper-individualistic age. That's commonplace to say that. But we look around and we see people exerting freedom. But we see them exerting freedom without regard to anybody else. And what St. Paul is saying here is that exercise of liberty can be damaging to other individuals, but equally important, it can be damaging to the community. Go up to that end of the street in particular, you can see lots of exercise of liberty and freedom. It does not, I don't think, build up the community. Don't tread on me. It's a good idea, but if that means exercising freedom at the cost of everybody else, it is not a good idea. Again, we need to be careful of exercising our liberty if it damages others. And the third part of this is about knowledge. And if any of you have worried that I've just been going one way politically, I'm coming back. Because what St. Paul says is knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Anyone who claims to know something does not yet have the necessary knowledge. What he is saying to the Corinthians here is Yes, you have knowledge, but actually, that's not terribly important. Because knowledge is a human attribute, is a human measure, is something that you think that you have gotten yourself and that makes you feel better about yourself. And he says, no. He says that is actually not the case. He says it's about love. But let me come back to that idea of knowledge. Because again, many people think that they have that knowledge. And what does that do? It makes them feel better about themselves. But it makes them feel they are better than others. It makes them feel that if they are strong, then others are weak. If they have that knowledge and others don't, they are, to use another word of our time, perhaps more elite than others. They look down on others who don't have that knowledge. And What St Paul says is you think that that knowledge is important, but in fact you know nothing. Because what you are meant to do is to live in love, and what that love does is to strengthen other people, not to bring them down, is to strengthen the community is not to bring the community down. Now some of you may think there are some echoes here of some of you've heard, indeed there is. Because in the fall, we started a program called Being With. And this, I believe, is what God wants for us. God is alongside us. The Holy Spirit is alongside us. Not telling us what to do, not fixing things for us, not showing how much cleverer the Holy Spirit is than we are, but being alongside us. And what God asks of us is for us to be alongside others, to be with them, not to fix things for them, not to tell them how to do things, particularly not to show them how clever we are and how benighted they are, but to actually be with them, alongside them. we We have to do that in ways which don't in any way put them down. Again, it's about love building up. But if we can hold that thought, if we can act on that, if we can be with people, alongside them, then we will build them up. We will build a community up and actually we'll build ourselves up as well.